Custis Semenya's uh, fantastic victory at the ASA night series in Cape Town last night. And I tell you what, I was there. She looked phenomenal. She looks lean. She looks like she is running some of the best times of her life. And she ran the 800 meter for the last 799 meters by herself. She took off and she was ahead of everybody from the start to the very finish of the race. And uh, she really has uh, shown that she's got the ability to run the kind of times that she was running six odd years ago when she ran the 155 at the uh, indoor, cha- oh, not at the indoor champs, at the uh, world champs. In fact, uh, 2009, she was a gold medalist. Yeah, yeah, my memory. <gasps> this escapes me from time to time. That's it. Let me get straight into your sports news. Uh, cricket news in Bangladesh currently find themselves, uh, what, one, uh, 37 for 1 uh, in reply to India's uh, total of 146 for 7 in their ICC World T20 Super 10 Group 2 match at the M. Chinnaswamy Stadium in Bangalore. Uh, England, of course, beating Afghanistan by 15 runs earlier today. We'll get details, as I mentioned, with Yohandaru in a few minutes. Meanwhile, uh, Ireland's women uh, find themselves chasing South Africa's target of 156 for 5. They're currently 67 for 3. That's after 12.2 overs. So they need 90 runs with 46 balls remaining. Not looking likely, despite the fact that they've got 7 uh, wickets in hand. That's uh, happening in Chennai. Football news, I can tell you IX Cape Town's Abu Bakar Mubara has been axed from the South African under-23 squad after failing to report for camp. He's been replaced by Zita Machega of Chipper United. Owen de Gama's squad leaves for Brazil this evening for a friendly international against Brazil's Olympic team in preparation for the Rio Olympic Games in August. Meanwhile, South African Airways has announced a five-year sponsorship deal with the South African Football Association to be an official partner to Bafana Bafana. Coach Sheikh Mashaba welcoming the new deal, which is exclusively for Bafana Bafana, not the other national teams. Further afield, the request to move an African Nations Cup qualifier from Guinea, where two new cases of Ebola have been confirmed, has been rejected by CAF. Malawi had asked they, for their uh, Group L qualifier set for Conakry on Friday to be moved after Guinea last week said two people had tested positive for Ebola. Guinea had previously been declared free of the virus, and a ban on international football being hosted in the country was lifted by CAF in early January. Meanwhile, Belgium's friendly against Portugal next week has been moved to the Portuguese city of Leria from Brussels because of the deadly terror attacks. The Belgian Federation announcing just hours after the match was called off that it had reached an agreement with its Portuguese counterpart. The match was initially scheduled for next Tuesday in Brussels, but cancelled after at least 34 people were killed in Tuesday's bombings um, at the Brussels airport and metro. Just finally, in some boxing news, former world heavyweight champion Vladimir Klitschko hopes to box for a second Olympic gold in Rio de Janeiro. A Hamburg-based Klitschko turns 40 on Friday, would relish the chance to box for more Olympic medals, having won the super heavyweight gold for Ukraine at the 96 Atlanta Games. Professional boxers are set to be eligible to compete in Rio this August under radical proposals being pushed through by the world governing body, AIBA, and set to be voted on in June. That's your sports news. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, it certainly has been an exciting day at the ICC World T20. Uh, Johan LaRue is going to be talking about uh, a couple of matches that we've got. Well, Bangladesh, uh, Johan, up against India at the moment, trying to uh, chase down the uh, the Indian target set for them. They've got, what, just over 100 to, to reach at the moment. Uh, give us a score from uh, from Bangladesh against India. So, uh, Bangladesh have made a reasonable start in, the, in their ranches. They just moved on to 47 for 1 after 6.2 overs, and most of the damage being done by Tamim Iqbal. And uh, it took him a while to get settled, but it finally looks like he's got his eye in and he's starting to hit some nice shots. He's currently on 33 with him is Sabir Rahman. The first wicket to fall was that of Mohamed Mithun. 
who was dismissed by Ravi Chandran Ashwin, caught by Hardik Pandya on, at long on after he attempted a pull shot, but he horribly mistimed it. So Bangladesh uh, moving along nicely. They are chasing 147 for victory. And this is the same venue where Bangladesh scored 156 against Australia a couple of days ago. So this pitch is a little bit different. It's not as bowler-friendly, but uh, or, or rather it's a little bit more bowler-friendly. So the Tigers uh, at the moment, a very good start. Tommy Meekball certainly is a dangerous player when he does get going, but let's go back to a little earlier today. Is it fair to say England survived the scare against Afghanistan? England were in all sorts of trouble. At one stage, they were 85 for 7 in the 15th over, and thank goodness for them, Mohan Ali came and he smashed 41 or 33. But at one stage, it looked like England might be... Uh, going to, well, they were on their way to suffering a shock defeat, and that was also thanks mainly to some great bowling by the Afghanistan bowlers, in particular Muhammad Nabi. And I can tell you, he produced figures of two for seventeen. And if he played for any other team in the world, he would be on the starting eleven, hands down, every single time. Uh, inexperienced against the Test nations, though. I mean, this Afghanistan side—they're a very solid team at associate level. But what did they need to actually close out that victory after such an impressive start today? Well, they're batting, unfortunately for them, Mohamed Shazad couldn't get going. He's been terrific in this tournament. And if he got off to a good start, then things were, would have looked a little bit different. But I also think that they just needed to remain settled. They had the 20 overs to reach the target of 143, which isn't much in T20 cricket. And I think uh, a cool, calm head was needed just to settle things and just to take their time. But most of the wickets falling because they tried to up the run rate and they tried to go for the big boundary. Meanwhile, ones and twos could have gotten them to a position where they could have just closed it out in the last few hours of the game. Seems a far cry there from the English side that successfully chased down uh, 230 against South Africa. Uh, England were, were touted as sort of dark horses for the tournament, being former champions, but uh, they seem to have fallen off the favourites uh, pace for, for sure. But what do they need to do to, to recover from this scare to, to actually give themselves a chance? I think for them it was just a bad day with the bats up front, uh, their frontline batsman. Alex Hales wasn't playing and he had a bit of a stiff back, but I think he probably could have been risked but they decided that it wasn't worth uh, risking him against Afghanistan. But they just needed to get off to a good start. Jason Roy also, he only made five. And uh, their top batsman over the last few years, Joe Root, was run out. And uh, that was to no fault of his own. He was sent back by Ben Stokes after attempting a quick single. So uh, not a good start with the bats. And I think that they can just sort out their top order and one or two can go on and score a big score then uh, they won't be in so much trouble again in their next match. Yeah, I just worry about England, the way they're uh, trying to put it together at the moment. They, they, they're dishing up far too inconsistent performances, I fear. But uh, a quick update, in Bangladesh, what, 54 for 1 uh, at the moment against India. Uh, so, you've given us details on, uh, on the earlier match today. Hopefully, we'll be able to give you a, a closer idea towards the end of uh, the show of how Bangladesh are doing or how they're faring in trying to chase down the uh, Indian target. Uh, thank you very much, Johan Rui. Back a little later on in, in the show. Don't be nervous, son. We just need a statement. And Angela was playing outside. When she crawled onto the cable, I tried to stop her, but all I saw was a white light. Son, do you know who connected the cable? Tabo. <laughs> it was me. Every year, innocent lives are lost due to electricity theft. Report electricity theft anonymously by sending an SMS to 32211. SMSs cost one rand. Operation Kanisa, the power is in your hands. Remember that moment you wanted to give up when you were unsure if you could be guaranteed safe, hassle-free online banking. So you sought guidance from someone who knew the ins and outs of secure online banking for your business. 
they introduced you to the Plug and Transact token, a portable security device so powerful it gives you the peace of mind to transact confidently from any computer within minutes. For some, banking online is still risky, but not for you. Amazing things happen when you partner with the right people. Partner with NetBank and take your business to the next level. Email business at netbank.co.za today. We're an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. Make things happen. NetBank. Don't forget to tune into the health update tomorrow at 5 past 11. Proudly brought to you by MediClinic. Expertise you can trust. This is Sport on SAFM. Every supporter's greatest resource. SFM South Africa's news and information leader. Let's talk uh, rugby now. Eight matches uh, of the nine possible will take place in uh, Super Rugby this weekend. It's going to be starting off with a South African team in action away from home. However, at the uh, Westpac Stadium, the Kings will be taking on the Hurricanes. We've got uh, rugby correspondent Johan Ferreira on the line. Johan, thanks for joining us. Good evening. Good evening. Always nice to be on the show. And yes, it's eight matches and uh, a nice Easter weekend in the company of some good teams, the best in the Southern Hemisphere. Best in the Southern Hemisphere, but let's talk about uh, one match that is going to be a little lopsided, you suspect, and I would, I suspect, certainly. Hurricanes against the Kings. Uh, look, who's, who's put their hand up for you so far for the Kings? Yeah, I must be honest with you, I, I've, I've been pretty impressed by the Kings, especially in the first half of, of their matches. Yes, they've fallen away, and I don't think that's a surprise. With all due respect, I think many people expected them to struggle, but it's just uh, that this is going to be key. But Chris Clifford, for me, has had a very good season. Stephen Sykes has led well. Uh, here and there, a couple of players uh, have put up their hands uh, and, and done pretty nicely. But I think their focus point should be, especially the second half, that last 40 minutes, that's where they fall away. They concede too softly and, unfortunately, showing on the scoreboard. But still, I, I think they've got a lot to be proud of, especially the, the first 40 minutes of their respective matches. They held the Sharks pretty nicely in Port Elizabeth, and uh, they've given a, a couple of teams a scare here and there for, for, for patches. But it's not, it's not enough in, in, the, uh, in the best competition in the world, in, in my opinion. And uh, unfortunately, I think they're going to struggle again. The Americans, a team that, that they like to give the ball air, and I think the holes will open up, unfortunately. And again, I'm predicting that the second half will be, will be pretty tough for the Kings to deal with the rampant Hurricanes outfit, and they've got confidence on their side, and they've got... Uh, a great squad to choose from, and they're building, they're eating form at the right time, unfortunately for the Kings. Yeah, they got wonderful endurance over 80 minutes to the Hurricanes, and as you say, falling away in the second half has been the story so far for the Kings. I mean, they've lost by 30 plus margins in all their games so far after starting positively on some of their matches at least. But we also got the Chiefs and the Force and the Rebels and Highlanders playing on Saturday, but the first South African team then in action on, uh, on Saturday is the Bulls, and they're going to be playing uh, the Sunwolves in Singapore. So if they really are seeing the world this, uh, this campaign with the additional teams that have been added, I mean, it's, it's fully continental here, <laughs> going right the way across four continents, this uh, competition. But the Bulls, how do you suspect they'll go against uh, the Sunwolves side? I must be honest, I, I expected a, a bit more from the Sunwolves. Uh, maybe they're now showing that it's not that easy to compete in, in, in Super Rugby and a couple of cracks appearing in, in their makeup. I don't think the Bulls will struggle at all. I think they'll pick up the second win of the competition. And look, uh, by, by any account, I'm, I'm sure they, they'll look back at what happened last weekend and they'll probably feel that they, they escaped Oof. through the back door thanks <laughs> to Joe Peterson's mistake. But that means that they picked up a couple of block points and that leaves them second in the Africa Conference 1. Just, uh, well, it's a long way beyond the Stormers who are leading the way there. 
So a very important uh, match in the context of uh, Conference 1. So they should be leaving Singapore with at least a win. And hopefully, from a South African point of view, they can also pick up that, uh, let's call it a prize scoring bonus point, um, which, which is obviously changed. We've touched on that. But yeah, the Bulls, the Bulls for me will be, will be tough to beat in, in Singapore even. I, I don't, I don't think they will struggle at all. I think a couple of teams have already shown us how to beat the Sunwolves away from home. And uh, I don't think the Bulls will have any difficulties to, to follow in, in the footsteps of those who have achieved success, including the Cheetahs, who have also uh, done us proud away from home. Yeah, you talk about the Cheetahs, though. They're back home. And uh, the Brumbies, speaking of playing away from home, were brought, uh, brought back down to earth. Had their, had their uh, nice white horse wiped out from underneath them by the Stormers in, uh, in the last round. But an intriguing match awaits because uh, Cheetahs, Brumbies, I, I know a lot of people are predicting the Brumbies to, to run away with this, but... I, I'm not sure this is going to be as comfortable in a way when as, uh, as, as many suspect. Look, this is a nice one to talk about. Uh, I, I was very surprised at the way that Brandy pressed the self-destruct button. I, <laughs> I couldn't believe that, it, that an experienced team like that, under the leadership of a great player, a former player in Stephen Larkham, could, could self-destruct the way they did. But the lesson that we learned out of this I think the Cheetahs will do well to follow the, the, the coaching manual that the Stormers used or the game plan that the Stormers used. They had a brilliant kicking game. They kept the Brumbies under pressure and they continuously asked questions of the Brumbies to play out of their own half and then exercise options at, uh, at, at different places on the field. So compliments to the Stormers game plan and it showed because the Brumbies started to lose their cool. There was a red card dished out there for... Oh, Ray, I mean, that was just uh, ridiculous. I mean, the fact that he got away with the one-week suspension surprises me as well. That should have been much more than that. But be that as it may, I think the Cheetahs will do do well to look at the way the Stormers played and approach that game. And if they can tighten up defensively and follow the same sort of game plan, I think they could uh, could just surprise the Brummies. On on paper, though, I I can't see that a quality outfit like that would struggle... uh, twice in a row, and, and, and not pick up their game plan because they were poor. And I think that they will also raise the bar and approach this one slightly differently. The Cheetahs like to give the ball air. They would, would also have a bit of confidence on their side now, having picked up a valuable victory. But, uh, yeah, back on, back on home soil, they need to perform. That's where it counts, in front of their own, own fans. But I also think the Brumbies will be pretty tough to beat, considering what, what went wrong last week. Johan, let's talk about the uh, the form sides, as it were, for, for South African Conference. Sharks against the Crusaders at uh, quarter past five on Saturday. That is, uh, for me, is the pick of the, uh, the South African teams in action. But Diogo is taking on the Stormers in Buenos Aires as well, close to midnight South African time on Saturday. What do you make of those two games? I think the Stormers are going to do very well to get away with any points. Um, I, the fact that the Jaguars lost to the Chiefs, that also surprised me in a way because I thought they would be slightly better than what they were. They, they went down by 50 points to 26 against the Chiefs who are a great side. But again, I, I still think a, a victory is not that far away for the men from South America. They did nicely to win the first game of the competition. They first outing that took place in Bloemfontein. But since then... Things haven't really gone according to plan. They, they went down to the Sharks as well in a low-scoring affair, and now again going down to the Chiefs. They've got good quality. They've got an, uh, almost an international, full international lineup that, that's available, uh, and they need to also produce. So I think the Stormers would, would be, that would, in my book, it would be a surprise if the Stormers can produce a victory there. I'm, I'm rooting for the Stormers, obviously, but I, I, I think a victory is around the corner for the Jaguares. And then back on home soil and to the shark tank specifically, I, I, I've got 
uh, tickets for that one. Sharks, Crusaders, it's going to be a, a heck of a game. Now, you'll remember a couple of years ago when the Crusaders last went to King's Park, they put 50 past the Sharks. Uh, so there's a bit of a score to settle. The Sharks have started magnificently. They've picked up victories away from home uh, at Newlands. Uh, they've picked up points. They've picked up points in Port Elizabeth. They've now picked up uh, a, a draw in, in Pretoria that should have been a win um, pending that kick. But anyway, that's, that's how it goes. So they're looking pretty nicely, considering that they've played the majority of their matches away from home. Now they have to really capitalize and, and make it count. But this Crusaders outfit has proven over time that they are just they're something else, and they've got uh, oh, they've got so many quality players in various positions. I'm not writing off the Sharks, but they'll need to be better on attack because if they are loose and if they kick away unnecessary ball, it's going to be a long afternoon, and I'm, I'm afraid to say that the Crusaders will run away with it because you just cannot feed these New Zealand teams ball. And unfortunately, it just seems that we're still not learning those lessons. So kicking game, if they, if they do employ the kicking game, it will have to be spot on, otherwise it's game over. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, the kicking game, I think, is uh, going to need to be spot on, but I hope they don't employ it. That's it, Johan Forever. Thank you very much for your time, and enjoy the weekend's action. Yeah, it's absolutely a pleasure, and thank you for, for inviting me, and uh, yes, let's hope for some good South African performances. Do not let higher education fees prevent you from making your dreams come true. The New Age is giving away bursaries worth 400,000 rand. A copy of the new age for only three and fifty and stand a chance to win. For more information, visit www.thenewage.co.za. The new age, one country, one paper. Against all odds, we had to get the job done. To lay concrete that will set on all cornerstones of our nation, we continue to fulfill our commitment to restore the dignity of our people brick by brick. Our dedication is to serve the nation by building a South Africa that we can all call home on solid ground. Over 4 million houses and opportunities delivered since 1994. Over 20 million people benefited, making South Africa number one in the world. The Department of Human Settlements, Houses, Security and Comfort. Remember that moment you wanted to give up when you were unsure if you could be guaranteed safe, hassle-free online banking. So you sought guidance from someone who knew the ins and outs of secure online banking for your business. They introduced you to the Plug and Transact token, a portable security device so powerful it gives you the peace of mind to transact confidently from any computer within minutes. For some, banking online is still risky, but not for you. Amazing things happen when you partner with the right people. Partner with NetBank and take your business to the next level. Email business at netbank.co.za today. We're an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. Make things happen. NetBank. SAFM Sports Wrap. Olympian and medalist Kasta Semenya, middle distance runner Elra Halan, certainly grabbed the headlines at the second ASA night series at the Greenpoint Athletic Stadium in Cape Town last night. Now, the two athletes uh, both grabbed Olympic qualifying titles in their respective events. Halan running a 13.20.70 in the 5,000 metre, looking to break the national team record, of course, but almost five seconds under the qualifying time of 13.25, while Semenya's two minutes point two three seconds uh, in the 800 metre was well under the 201.50 qualifying time and the fastest 800 metre run in the world this year. Semenya says she's very happy to have got the Olympic qualifying time and to have achieved what they've been training for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm quite happy with the time, you know. The way I run splits, you know, we, we're more even. So that, 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 that's, a, that's a main thing for us, you know. That's what we've been working for. So last, uh, you know, this past two, yeah, 
this past two you know months. So yeah, I'm quite happy with the work. Just have to go back, you know, try to, to train for under two minutes now. Semenya, who had run an Olympic qualifying time in the 400 meter last week, had very little of a challenge in her race, finishing over six seconds ahead of the next runner. She says at the end of the day, it's all about the time. Yeah, obviously, it's all about, you know, hard work, you know, mentality, physically. If you combine those two, you know, nothing can defeat you. So it doesn't matter who's in the race if you're alone. At the end of the day, it's all about time. So. Semenya says they're still to confirm their plans for the rest of the year, and at this point she was only focused on the eight-week program that they've been doing. The 25-year-old says she'll go back and discuss with her coach and manager, but hopes to run one more race before the national championships to break the two-minute mark. Yeah, obviously we still have to go back a bit. We've run two minutes. I think we still want to run maybe one race before the essays, or we wait for the essays so we can go under two minutes barrier. Ah, obviously because we, we have a diamond here in Africa, We'll try to go maybe Rabat, maybe Doha. We haven't decided with the manager and the coach. We still have to go sit down and see the schedule, wait fits in so I can, you know, go in and out, you know, Africa and Europe. So that's the main focus. So, yeah, but uh, we haven't planned anything yet. It was just all about, uh, you know, eight weeks program and see we, what we can come up with. The former 800-meter world champion says that in comparison to the same time before the London Olympic Games four years ago, she is in a much better shape and position than she was back then after just eight to ten weeks of training. Uh, if we compare, you know, with, a, like I said, eight weeks program with what we have ran today, so obviously, yeah, I would say it's a huge improvement, you know, training for about eight weeks to ten, then you're able to run like 51 seconds in, you know, over 402 minutes barrier on the 800 Obviously, something is working. Meanwhile, Khalan's impressive Olympic qualifying time was perhaps the biggest highlight of the evening, and halfway through the race, it looked like he was on track to beat Stephen Mukoka's South African record. Khalan says that it's still early in the season, and he's happy to have already ticked off one of his goals. Yeah, you know, it's a bit tough. Record 13-11 alone is tough. I know Stephen went for 13-11, you know. But I told myself it's still early in the season. Olympic Games is in August, so really... I just went according to my, my plan. I said qualifying time. We'll do best with the qualifying time tonight, and I got it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to look to SS now. What's going to happen at SS? But I think it's coming down to technical race. But I'm really pleased with my 13 20. It's a qualifying sentence, you know. It's a, a goal I can, I can look off, you know. For most of the race, it was Halant all alone at the front as he pulled away from the pack very early and eventually finished 47 seconds ahead of second place Johan Cronier. He had hoped that his teammate and pacemaker Jerry Mutsar would last longer, but he dropped out after just four laps. Yeah, you know, I asked, I asked my teammate to go about five, five laps, you know, he went out almost at four laps and I said, Jerry, please just hang on. I was speaking the whole time to him. Um, yeah, it got a little bit difficult the last five laps now. But like I said, we're still early in the season, so I can just work from here, use as a stepping stone, and maybe plan for Europe, go for fast time, maybe as a record. But for me, I just told myself I'm going to take it step by step, you know. So first one in the back, so I'll just see what happens from here. Holland says that while it may be better to train in Europe, he's more comfortable in his home environment. He says, though, that he hopes to get better training partners soon, as this will help improve his times even more. Yeah, it's, it's better, you know, but sometimes you just adapt better to your home environment, you know, training-wise. Um, and especially in Europe, it's a bit uh, tough to train because normally we go to sea level. But uh, I know we can make plans to go to altitude like the other guys do. But for me, sometimes it's better to adapt to my own environment where I'm used to training. I think it's just a training group, maybe to get a few good guys training with me. That will surely help. A Portugal Strom-based runner says it was wonderful racing in his hometown of Cape Town and that he almost felt like he was at the Olympic Games when he heard the cheers as he came around the final bend.
It, it felt like a like a Olympics. I wasn't in the Olympics, but it felt like a World Cup when I come around the 150 bench, you know. So this really motivates you. It helps you a lot, especially going down there. You pick up some energy. So yeah, it really means a lot to show the people because they always see you on television. So this was really nice for me to show back to them and give back to them. Please slow down. I'm tired. I just want to get home already. Honey, there's a truck coming this way. Ah! Overtaking on a barrier line is a road crime. Overtake only when it's safe to do so. Speeding will put yours and other road users' lives in danger. Obey the rules of the road. Report unsafe road usage. Call 0861-400-800. Brought to you by the Road Traffic Management Corporation and the Department of Transport. I used to think it was very pretty, you know. All the pretty, pretty lights in all the big office blocks. The patterns, you know. They make patterns. I used to wonder, why do they leave the lights on at night? I mean, from what I hear of the monkey business that happens in boardrooms at night, you'd think they'd want to keep that stuff in the dark. But it really started bothering me when I found out that if all the office buildings in the country switch off their lights between and seven, not the security stuff, of course, no need to be foolish. But if they switch off all the other stuff between seven and seven, they'd save enough electricity to power over 600,000 homes or 600,000 streetlights for the same period of time. I mean, that's over 600,000 homes or streetlights for 12 hours. I say that's pretty, pretty impressive. So I'm all for the corporate switch off. After all, I cannot imagine any big company wanting their brand message to be the lights are on, but there's no one at the office. Although that could be a very nice slogan for the opposition at the elections. If you're buying new appliances, consider buying energy-efficient ones. They may cost a little more to start off with, but will save you money in the long run because, quite simply, they use less electricity. Look out for the colour-coded labels the next time you go shopping. Colours range from green to red, with dark green or A-rated appliances being the most energy-efficient and red or D-rated appliances being the least efficient. 49M, remember your power. SAFM Sports Wrap. Well, uh, four and a half minutes to seven on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. We're uh, talking a little bit of cricket now at the end of the show, Bangladesh. Uh, just trying to chase down India's target in their uh, ICC World T20 match at the Chinnaswamy Stadium in Bangalore. And uh, Johan Leroux has been watching all the action. Johan, give us an update on what's been happening between India and Bangladesh. Well, uh, after losing that uh, first wicket... SFM. It was uh, Tamim Iqbal, the danger man, was uh, stumped off the bowling of uh, Ravindra Jadeja, I think it was, and uh, that was uh, just after he managed to get his iron and he really started getting going, and then uh, unfortunately for him, he just played past the delivery and MS Dhoni had a simple stumping, and then soon after, Sabir Rahman also stumped. This one was a little bit more strange because uh, he put his, uh, his uh, leg in the air and uh, he was actually still in his crease. He just lifted it right as MS Dhoni took the bails off, so he was also on his way, and Bangladesh at the moment, 87 for 3 after 10.5 overs they still need another 60 runs from 55 balls very very doable this could be a massive upset but they don't want they won't want to lose any more wickets here they certainly wouldn't but seven wickets in hand and with Shakibala Sun still at the crease I mean, one of the finest all-rounders certainly in the uh, shorter formats of the game uh, you've got to say that Bangladesh might fancy the victory against uh, the Indians tonight who've already lost bear in mind to New Zealand but Johan I want to, I want to talk briefly about uh, the Proteas they're going to be playing on Friday up against the West Indies but uh, uh, look the way they have bowled in this tournament is, concerns me genuinely concerns me couldn't defend 230 against England and got smacked around by uh, Afghanistan who are an associate nation 
What is Chris Gale going to do if we if we were, we're tossing up these full tosses and pie chuckers? Well, let's just hope that Chris Gale hasn't recovered in time from his uh, hamstring injury. <laughs> in his previous game, he wasn't. Uh, he had to leave the field and he wasn't allowed to open the batting because yeah, he was let's off say the field he for has. the last few overs. <laughs> no, I definitely think he will play in that game. And uh, I don't actually know what the Proteus bowlers are going to do because, firstly, if Chris Gale gets going, then there's not much that can stop him. But secondly, I do think Russell Domingo needs to take a little bit of a risk and play Aaron Pangisa. He hasn't played international cricket since October last year, but this is an opportunity for him because uh, it is in Nagpur. The track is going to spin, and uh, we do need two front-line spinners. And the only way that I think we can stop Chris Gale is if Imran Tahir fires on the day. And it will also be interesting to see if Dale Stane gets a, a call back into the team. Will they go with Kyle Abbott? Will they go with Kahisa Rabado? Who are the all-rounders going to be? Some selection headaches for Russell Domingo ahead of that game. Briefly, before we get a, another update from uh, Bangalore, uh, batting-wise, are, are you happy with where things are, or are we likely to see a Rousseau or Berardin coming in? Well, let's just say we can't ask for a better top four than what we have at the moment with Amla de Kock, um, with Faf de Plessis and A.B. de Villiers. That is probably the best top four in world cricket at the moment. Uh, I don't think that Riley Rousseau or Far Berardin have done enough in the last few in the, the, the start of the year to show that they deserve a spot in the team I'm happy with uh, the rest of the guys that are there at the moment Chris Morris can do it David Miller can do it JP Dumini he's not there so we are going to need a replacement for him that might just be far in because he does add a bowling option as well but at the if we were to if we had JP Dumini I don't see that um, we needed to make any changes I can tell you very briefly though South Africa's women have won by 67 runs against Ireland women but uh, going up to the top of the hour uh, can you give us an update of what's been happening with uh, Bangladesh against India well, uh, Bangladesh are chasing that uh, target of 147 for victory, and they are currently 87 for four after 11.1 overs. They need 60 more from 53 balls, so another wicket down. But like you said earlier, Shakib Alassane is still there. Mamadula has just joined him. He had a good game in his last encounter, so it could just be an upset at uh, in for India at uh, in front of their home fans. Yeah, and it looked like Mushfiqur Rahim, the wicketkeeper, hasn't done much in recent times. Is starting to come right as well. Thank you very much, Johan Leroux. It's quarter two. Uh, well, 15 seconds to go to the top of the hour. That's all we've got time for tonight. Now, Lady Muleo is going to be up after the news with a talk shop and uh, more sport tomorrow morning on AN Live. Uh, make sure you catch it again. Tomorrow, I'll be back 6.30 to 7. We'll be discussing football. But from the uh, Sports Wrap team tonight, producer Siobhan Chetty, me, Dwayne DeLocker. Have a lovely evening. Cheers. It's 7 o'clock.